1: We've got Dick Vitale coming up for you. Dick Vitale working with Geico. So we got to have some time with him. I was supposed to talk to him for 15 minutes. We ended up talking for 50. And I've got about 40 minutes of the conversation for you because the back end of it, we just started talking tennis and family and it didn't seem appropriate to put on the pod. But there's plenty of really personal stuff in there. I think you're going to enjoy it. I met Dick in a hotel in Chicago probably 20 years ago and he was so genuine and nice and he had these really soft hands I'm thinking to myself Dick Vitale's got to get a manicure I don't know three times a week but you know when you meet your I don't want to call him like a hero to me but a guy that you see on television all the time you wonder is he going to be a nice guy what's he like and he couldn't have been more friendly and you wonder if it's real Well, after sitting with him for 50 minutes, after he's supposed to sit for 15, I'm like, wow, this guy is just the greatest. He's got a phenomenal story on Bob Knight helping Dick get to the Basketball Hall of Fame. And after you're done listening to this podcast or sometime in the future, I recommend watching his Hall of Fame speech. It's really, really well done. About 10 years ago, he's just vintage Vital, and he's just got some great stuff and a lot of love for his family. So Dick coming up, I want to shout out Zach Levine, for a second, who absolutely 1000% belongs in the NBA All Star game, he's led the Bulls in scoring his last 10 games 24, 26, 39, 35, 46, 26, 30, 37, 30, 38. in the Bulls win, I'm talking to you on Sunday right now, so it was last night against Sacramento. If you're not watching the Bulls, and I'm thinking that many people are not yet, it is incredibly impressive how Zach has transformed his game. He's a better passer. He's better going to the basket. He threw down a dunk the other day in transition with massive authority, and I think it's partly because he gets no calls. All right, if you're not going to give me any whistle, then I've got to just be a beast going to the rim. This guy just keeps getting better, and I'm amazed at how seemingly easy it is For not just Zach Levine, but he's one of them. But NBA players nowadays, they can do a step back, going away from the hoop, hand in your face, and bury a 25-foot jumper. I mean, those are incredibly tough shots, but these guys are just so incredibly talented. And Zach, for him, that that release is just true. It is effortless. Bulls are playing pretty good basketball, 13-16. and Billy Donovan deserves a ton of credit. Uh, we'll delve into that more later in the week. We'll have a Bulls pod for you coming up uh, later, a couple days from now. We're going to have on David Adelman, who is a longtime college basketball coach, longtime viewer of the NBA. He's got some great Bulls thoughts for you. I think you really enjoy that coming up later in the week. Uh, but before we do get to Dick Vitale, I want to remind you, the Windy City Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best. In men's below the waist grooming, I've got the whole kit, the 3.0 kit, which has got all these tools and formulations so you can have the perfect package. Uh, look, it's got the best ball hair trimmer you'll ever have the lawnmower 3.0, it's incredible. And you got the LED lights so you can do the precise shave, it's waterproof, you can do it in the shower. A lot of people like to do that, less cleanup job right there. It's a beautiful thing. You get two free gifts into the perfect package. You get a a pair of high performance manscape boxer briefs, which are awful nice and they you know get you feeling good all day long and then you get the travel shed bag so you know when you're on you heading on that trip, you got your sweet uh, manscape stuff all in the in the what I used to call back in the day the dop kit, but now they call it the travel shed bag. Use the promo code fan twenty that's the key here. Fan Sighted 20 When you go to Manscaped.com Get 20% off Free shipping, all of it And you get the lawnmower Mower 3.0 kit It's awesome, check it out uh, Manscaped.com Fan Sighted 20, 20% off Treat yourself right Without further ado, let's get to our guy Dick Vitale Showtime The whistle, he banks it in at the buzzer oh, what a He hit it Are you serious? Wow! Can't believe it! Super South, Brayson Allen with an improbative score! Get this in. The two downers. Oh, oh the Oh, giving us one of the great oh plays! God. Oh, the diaper dandy! What a reverse chance! I was watching your Hall of Fame speech today. You, uh, it was beautiful, the tribute you gave your wife and your family and everybody else, too, for the record. I really did. I got, it was
2: unbelievable. The funny part about it, you know, Mark, that wasn't my speech. I rehearsed five thousand times, and when I got up there, I said, "I'm just going to go for my heart," and I went for my heart, and it went really well.
1: Well, let, let's jump off right there, and and Dick Vitale with us here, working working with Geico, Dickie V. I, I by the way, I, I watched uh, I watched your videos. Did you really dump that Gatorade on you multiple times? Is that a true story, or is that is that the beauty of production?
2: Oh no no that's absolutely real. Trust me, we did actually. I think it was three takes. Three takes. They were able to get it with three takes. Uh, And you know, three times changing clothes, getting so, but it's so much fun. The people there, they made it such a. a, a, They treated me like royalty. They really did. My wife and I were just absolutely in awe of the way they treated me. The moment I came on, from the wardrobe people meeting me, the people would give you food. I mean. It's just don't tell them it's stealing money, man. Do it and paid. Anybody does a commercial and they would moan and groan about, oh, look at old Simon takes a me. I loved every moment of it. i want to stay there three days, four days, five days. I just had a blast.
1: Okay. I was like, did he really dump that on him multiple times? But your parents would never have allowed you to complain about what's going on in the commercial. They would have, they would that would have not gone over well in the Vitale household growing up.
2: Oh, absolutely. My family was one of uh, they were my greatest inspiration in my life. Uh, my mom and dad, Mark, were uneducated, as I said in the speech, fifth grade education, but they had a doctorate law. And they always taught me and made me believe that I could do whatever I want to do. I lost my eyes as a kid, and I thought it was the end of the world. And my mother can say, big deal. So you got one eye. What's the big deal? You can be a success. And, you know, I would give anything today for to see the home I live in, the people I've met, the places I go, and what's happened in my life. Because it does not happen without the love and the guidance and the inspiration I received from my mom and dad. My father worked. I could white though. Yesterday, I talked about Wisconsin and uh, <laughs> and Iowa in to the basketball game. Tomorrow, when I get done with you, I talk to the coach at Texas Tech. But I, tomorrow, I sit at courtside, talk about courtside from my house. But 2 o'clock, I do Kansas and Texas Tech. I mean, it's just unbelievable. You know, I, I pinch myself every day to know in it's great country that I've been able to make the kind of living I've made doing something I love.
1: I look back on it because you're – you were this super successful coach. You're getting a, an opportunity to coach Detroit. You're, no one had, no one was paying attention to Detroit basketball. You've got him in the tournament. Uh, and then you get to go to the NBA. And I know it didn't go particularly well, but you were going to get oper- other opportunities and you weren't dying to do television at the time. Did you ever get even close to going back, even when, once you started having success?
2: Well, you know what happened? I was thinking about wanting to get back to college, where I felt that long. The NBA was warm enough. I got fired really for one reason myself. I, I I earned to be fired because I kept complaining all the time to the owner about we can't win. We can't I could coach the blue in the face and we're not going to beat Kareem and the Lakers. We're not going to beat Dr. J and the Sixers. I if we need more play. We I going to get players. I can't and they kept he was so good to me. The owner was just a beautiful man, Bill Davidson, and he treated me as fair as one can be treated. And he kept saying, Dick. We know it's going to take five years or so. Relax. We we because your energy, your knowledge, your enthusiasm. I said I can't take this suffering and beat seven times in a row, whatever. And we ended up my career. I think it was some thirty wins or fifty to a loss. I don't know some crazy number. But the bottom line is, I created a problem. where eventually, and My wife kept telling me, "Gotta yeah, listen to your wives. My wife kept telling me, "You can't keep saying that to an owner." And finally. Uh, November 8th, 1979, the phone rang. And when the phone rang, my beautiful administrative assistant, Madeline, said, Before you come for the shoot around today, because we have a shoot around, we're playing the same Dr. Jada, and you remember certain things in your life. And she said, Before you come, Mr. Davidson stopping over your house wants to talk to you a minute. My wife says to me, You're getting fired. I said, you're crazy getting fired. It was only like, I don't know, 10 games into the season. I remember four and six, something like that, four and eight, I don't know, something like that. But I said, getting fired, well, you're, you're out of your mind. They you didn't know what I got, what I'm working with. You know? Uh, you can't talk the way last night you talk at the door. Huh? You can't do this. You can't do that. You, you can't stand the losing. So anyway, sure enough, pulls up to the car. <laughs> There's big limousine with his driver. driver knocks on the door. Meantime, my wife leaves the house. She goes, I've shared this in a book and two people get a kick out of it. She goes around the block, she said, "She kept right waiting for the limo to leave to prepare yourself for your part. I'm telling you. Sure enough, Mr. Davidson doesn't speak a whole lot in terms of a lot of words. He Very businesslike, he walked in, and I said, "I do, Mr. Davidson. I "I do it, Dick." And we sit down. He says, "Just made a coaching change." And I said, "Excuse me, what is coaching change?" Well, I I don't want to tell you, but I guess it means that we're not going to be coaching. Do you mean I'm fired? He said, "Yeah, but, but I don't want to lose you. I want you to work with us." I want to use you as an executive vice president. Give me all this title stuff and all. And stay with us. And I love your energy. This and that. And I said, yeah. so I, I cried. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. You know, I would, my buddy used to always label me a boy of wool a dream. Growing up as a kid, teaching in elementary school in the 70s. I mean, I was teaching elementary school, man. Back in the uh, I started when I got into co- out of college, and in seventies I'm, I'm teaching sixth grade before I went to Rutgers. coaching in high school. And here I am now with the owner of the Pistons. A few years later, and you, so I it's always a boy, a boy, a dream, and now my dream is being <laughs> taken from me. And you know, Mark, I tell people all time, you know, loads of motivation to speaking for forty years. I've been with the Washington Speakers Bureau, and I tell them in my speeches all the time. You know, life is not smooth. You have ups, you have downs. My wife finally kicked me out of the house. Let me tell you what happened. All of a sudden. I got a call when I got fired from a fellow by the name of Scotty Connell. Scotty was the head of NBC Sports at one time. Then became in terms of remotes, became the head of ESPN. So Scotty called me up. He said, "I just read there was a transaction. That you were let go by the Pistons. I have just moved to this new network, and I want you to do our very first big college game as the analyst." And I said, I'm not interested. Are you kidding me? I don't know about TV. I have no desire for TV. I want to get back coaching in college. So I get up the phone, I tell my wife what happened. She says, why don't you just go, why were you sitting here moping? I was watching Luke and Laura on General Hospital, man. So <laughs> <You're, you're laughs> depressed. And I'm making this the easiest interview you've ever had. So the bottom line, the bottom line was he called me back again, which I got lucky he did. 10 days later, he's like, I'm taking one last shot. We have this game on December 5th. Paul and Wisconsin, the number one in the country. Last night during the shock, because Wisconsin was in the game, my producer said, I got a treat for you. Watch this. They rolled into the game, my opening of my first game I ever did in 42 years at ESPN. And my partner said last night, man, you haven't changed You're still talking a lot. you still. <laughs> And that was my first. And then he called me up after that, and he said, "Look, you got three things we can't teach: your energy, your knowledge, and you're not afraid to give an opinion. But you have no clue, zero, when to come in, when to come out. He said, I'm going to assign to you the best of the best. He's a Hall of Famer, Jim Simpson, who came from NBC, who came with Scotty, came who became the first signature broadcaster with ESPN, and." I owe Jim so much. Every day I say a little prayer for a guy like Jim because <clears throat> he was so good to me. He took me uh, under his wing. We would do games. We'd go to lunch. At lunch, he would throw things at me and i up to make a response to get in and out. You know? it's, it's, it's not as easy as people think. One to get in, one to get out, <clears throat> and to share an opinion. Sometimes I go over and they know that because I just get so enthusiastic about what I want to talk about. But anyway, it's worked out pretty good, 42 years.
1: The enthusiasm part of it, Dick, where, where do you trace that to? I, I think what you said, you know, at the start there, your mom coming at you with, I don't, hey, you lost an eye, you got one eye. Like, there's a lot of parents there that would have been really sad about their kid and wondering what was possible. And, I mean, I don't know if it was, like, instant with your mom, but that's, like, that's a huge teaching moment right there. It feels like a big deal.
2: My, my mother and father were up. Such dedicated people, family that came from uh, my mom had uh, between them sisters and brothers, and nine in her family. My father had eight brothers sisters on his family, and they were all blue collar. But they had one common denominator every one of them was always about their family, always about three meals on the table, a nice house to live in, and just family, family, family. And I had so much love for my uncles, my aunts sad in a way, because I told my wife just this the other day, um, sometimes I get emotionally even talking about it, but all 18 of them are gone. And just, they played such vital roles in my life. They really did. They they were always so encouraging. I don't know if they felt sorry for me a little bit because I had the one eye or, or whatever, but they couldn't do enough. They always praised me no matter what I did. Uh, my wife mentioned it the other day. When my uncles used to come to watch me pitch Little League, and she knew my uncles later, not when I was pitching Little League. And man, I could do no wrong. I was the greatest pitcher in the world. One time, I'm pitching a hitter. This made the papers. In fact, somebody sent me the article. I got the article in my office about, I don't know, maybe six months ago. The guy says, Here's an article when you pitch a little league. And I, I pitched a little league, and I was pretty good. I threw hard. And I struck out, I think, 15 of the 18 batters, a six-inning game. And coming down with two outs, perfect game. Perfect game against one of the top teams in the league. And again, it's a ground ball by the first baseman. And the first baseman should have caught the ball <laughs> to my uncles. And they went ballistic with the you know, <laughs> And they went my uncles. <laughs> I have a, I have a Tom, Uncle Mike, Uncle Frank, one of the great thrills of my life was inviting them to be my guests. When we got the NCAA tournament and we played the number one team of the country, Michigan, up in Rupp Arena, my last game I coached in college, I flew my uncles into uh, Detroit, and then I had them come with the team on the bus the whole bit. And it was just a great thrill to have the family there with me. But, you know, that's where I got my excitement and enthusiasm. I think it's was from my family. And I think a lot of people my eye, too. I, I, a lot of people say they think that I made up for my situation, by being this energetic guy. I was looking at my yearbook the other day in high school and I was trying to look for it the other day again. I mean, I took day a few months back. I can't find the other thing, but under my picture, it said, everybody's buddy, man. Always see you know, And I've always tried to be that way. I, <clears throat> I think the one thing I learned from my parents was also I never hold grudges. Never, I think one of the problems we have a life, Mark. We have so much hate going on in our nation and not much love. And my mother used to always say to me, and I remember this as a kid, Richie, treat people, it was never Dick, by the way. It was never Dick, never, Richie did. Richie, treat people how you want to be treated. If you treat people like you want to be treated, you'll have so much fun in life and many, many friends. And I really believe that. I think we have a problem out there. People don't treat one another with the kind of respect they should.
1: Yeah, I got to get a couple questions in on, on what's going on in college hoop or else I'm going to get in trouble here, Dick. So, but this, this is, I really just appreciate you sharing the story. Big 10. Who do you think is at the top of the conference right now? I mean, you got three teams in the top five. This is, this is the best big 10 we've seen in a long time. Who, who do you like the most?
2: You know, I did a game last night, Wisconsin and Iowa looked very good last night if they continue playing defense to go with their offense because the kid Garza without a doubt is the national player of the year. Not even, to me, it's not even close. He is the national player of the year. He's like a 25 points a game leads the nation to score. would give be a factor except the fact that I really wonder how consistent their defense will be. The last four games, they played really strong defense. You got to like Michigan. I mean, what is there not like? They got size, they have good guard play. They believe in themselves. Uh, hoping to do a Michigan game in about another 10 days or so. And, and then Illinois is coming after. Me. I mean, the one thing about the Big Ten, and I said last night during the game, it's not, it's unforgiving. I mean, you could turn around, have a great year, and lose four quick games in two weeks, two games each week. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like right now, Wisconsin struggled a little bit. They're a good basketball team. The league might have, might have nine teams to ten teams in the Big Dance.
1: Yeah, and you just ran through it, and this is no slight at all. It's just how good they are. You'd even mention Ohio State. You you forget about them because it's so deep.
2: Well, the Buckeyes have done a hell of a job. Chris Holtman has got to be up for He and I think Jawan Howard will be in the running for coach of the year in the Big Ten because they both were not expected to be where they're at. Even Jawan Howard, even a step above that because they weren't even rated all year. And what they've done, now, can I continue this as we get into the part of the season where they play Illinois and Iowa and those teams, so we'll find out.
1: What's your take on why Duke and even Carolina and you're seeing Kansas, they're probably going to be in the tournament obviously, but they for them, they're having a down year. Michigan State, so many of the blue bloods, Kentucky, is it because of the pandemic? Is it because the game is changing? How do you see it?
2: This year has been a really a weird year. Totally weird. I mentioned yesterday, and, and you know I don't know if people agree with me or not, that's certainly up to them, but I mentioned yesterday in the Wisconsin game. Normally at Wisconsin, I <clears> have <throat> such badger fever. Fans, just unbelievable. They made a run at Iowa in that game last night. They down 16, came all the way back. I don't, I don't remember exactly. I think they cut it to three or two, okay? But about five minutes ago. And I said during the game, if this wasn't a real situation right. Right. with the power, the adrenaline, What it does to a team, we're forgetting the value of the sixth man. Kentucky lost a host of close games. I'll bet you if those 23,000 or 22,000 were in the crowd, the passionate Kentucky fans, what an advantage that is. I mean, you still have, obviously, a slight home court advantage because you're sleeping in the same bed. You're shooting at the same vision, the baskets, the whole bit. And, And that's a home court advantage to a certain extent but it's not the same as you're getting that edge with the crowd they're giving you that lift when you're struggling. And I think also the problem, you mentioned pandemic. The pandemic's been a problem because many of these teams are young. Many of the teams you talked about are filled. Well, the top three teams in recruiting last year were Kentucky, was one, two was Duke, three was Carolina. Well, when they got in common? They've all been struggling basically, right? And I think the pandemic hurt them because they couldn't have those uh, cupcake games Part of their season, play five, six games. Guys get familiar with one another, learn a little bit about college basketball, get the acc- acclimated to what they're going to face. They couldn't have those kind of games. And then they didn't have prior to that, you're always able to have a couple of exhibition games. You couldn't have those exhibition games. And then prior to that, you couldn't come back to the school early enough. I mean, coaches told me last night, Coach Gordon of Wisconsin, these are my kids. I didn't see them for, for months, like six months. We, we sent them home in March when the pandemic broke. Then it came back like in September, uh, they were all able to come back. I think all of that stuff together created a problem to where I think the veteran teams were able to have. You look at Baylor, Gonzaga, those teams, you know, they're great, they're skilled, they're talented, but they got veterans, they got players that have been through it.
1: I want to ask you just philosophy, college basketball, and Bob Knight presented you for the Hall of Fame. One of the greatest or the greatest coach in the history of college basketball, wherever you want to put him, Coach K, he's in the team photo. I'm wondering, are we going to see a change, maybe as soon as, I, I, maybe it's even happening now, where that style can't work now, and even the style of just the coach up and down and sort of playing the game while he's coaching, like that guy might, because it's different in the NBA now. I'm wondering if we'll see it filter down to college where coaches are going to have to take a different, I don't know, approach to the whole thing.
2: Well, I think it depends on the individual's personality. I think how much he has the respect from the players. The players respect certain player coaches. They can be tough with him, firm with him. I mean, look at Nick Saban in football. And all. He's tough and yeah. firm because players respect the hell out of everything he does so i I, I think it gets mad I, I think you can see that success to the same degree maybe not as much in the past you know the screaming yellow kids today you know there's a tendency today tendency today when things don't go a little bit right let me pack the bags and let me go somewhere else rather than fight it out and prove no I can do it I can play it. I, uh, <laughs> I I ought to forget when Steve Walford was playing uh, for uh, for Indiana, and I'd say to him sometimes, and he talked to Isaiah, he'd do the same thing, because Coach Knight had a real, uh, it was a trick with him that he would get on the stars, man. He would get on the stars big time, and sometimes he'd sit there and say, "What's he on him for?" He's dreaming him, yelling at him. I remember once at that practice, and after practice, I said to Steve Orford. How do you take that? I mean, he was all over him about you got to guard people, you got to you got to cut without the ball. All you can do is shoot the ball, and all that stuff. Right? So he says to me, he says, Mister Vitel, Dick or whatever he called me. I don't know at the times years ago. But basically, I remember the theory and the theme was, hey, I'm going to play, we're going to win, I'm going to graduate, and I'm learning so much about life. And it, so certain players. Can handle that and take it, especially if you get a butt. It's pretty tough to take. You're going to be a ninth on the bench and 10th on the bench where you can see it. maybe a little different elsewhere. But, you know, Bob was, uh, I can tell you a quick story about Bob Knight when he did for You got time to hear that?
1: Absolutely. I'd love to.
2: Bob Knight, Bob Knight said, called me up one day and he said to me on the phone, this is years ago, and he said to me, Look, you know, Bob does it very strong. You know, it's not just, hi, Dick. <laughs> Look, I said, well, what's going on, man? He said, I just did something I want you to know. I said, I've called up every living, every living Hall of Fame coach, and I've written to him, and I'm having him write a letter on your behalf in terms of having them write a letter on your behalf in terms of you belong to the Hall of Fame. I them, I was shot down like three times. So, you know, when they vote, whatever, so it was really dominated by the NBA, Years ago, the Hall of Fame. So, anyway, I said, why'd you do that? Don't you tell me what to do? I know what to do. I, I did it on my own. I just want you to know that, and I want you to listen to me. I see you're nominated again. You're probably not getting it again, but you know what? I got the Hall of Fame for you. The Hall of Fame. You know why I got it for you? I'm gonna mail them to you. I got letters from every living coach to the Hall of Fame, saying that you should be in the Hall of Fame. They should have a category contributions. And I got one letter that stands out. I I have it's handwritten from John Wooden to the Hall of Fame. How can we have a category that goes contributions to the game? What Dick Vitale has done to the game, what's selling the game, is passionate. And I was very touched by that. It's one of the reasons I asked him to present me. A lot of people don't know. That's one of the reasons. And and I'll give you another example. I run a gala every year, but it means more to me than anything I do now. For raising money for kids battling cancer and we honor different people so one day I called him up and I said hey Bob I have an idea I'm like yeah I want to honor both at the same time the winning is women's coach at the time and the woman, woman uh, uh, the winning is men's coach so he said to me just give me a date I'm in no no the no I gotta talk to my agent I'm in he says and meeting a Pat summit I said you know what I really don't know Pat that well. Well, look, let me talk to her, and I'll get back to you. And he called, calls me back. Like <laughs> 30 minutes later, it's done. We're well, Pat and I now. We're coming. And we raised millions of dollars. I mean, people don't see. Some of the things, do I agree with everything he's done? Of course not. You know, sometimes he lets the emotion, got the best of him, and, he, and, he cramp and he's done a lot of good things, my friend.
1: You've always uplifted guys. You'll, you'll talk about the great things about Bob Knight, Al McGuire, coach K, whoever, I mean, you, you illuminate the best thing these guys do. And there's so many in the business, Dick, who are competitive. They don't want to do it because they think it takes them down or whatever it is. And you've done this. And I don't think you were doing it for your own benefit, but it's also helped you because these guys are, I I don't know how to exactly ask the question, but there's something about how you wanted to lift people up that uh, I don't know if it comes natural, but it's a thing that, that just, I find to be beautiful about you.
2: Well, I love uh, I love people. I want my life. I love people. I, I like people. Uh, try to lend a helping hand. Uh, uh, just the other day, for example, a coach got fired at Boston College, Jim Christian. I don't even know Jim that well. I've met a couple of times in their games, and I sent him a text message. And I said, Jim, I know that feeling. I was fired. Okay, you got two choices: feel sorry for yourself, and now, or pick up the pieces and look in the mirror and say, you know what? I'm going to prove I can do something because that's what I've done with my life. My wife picked me up and said, you got to get out of this rut that you're in. you got to understand that you got a whole life. I was in my 30s, and look what happened. I mean, if you would have told me when I got fired on that day, November 8, 1979, I'd be speaking to you and be in, at the moment, about 14 Hall of Fames. About 14, the National Basketball Hall of Fame, the College Hall of Fame, the Broadcasting Hall of Fame, the Sportscasting Hall of Fame, the Italian Hall of Fame. (laughs) Coach where I coached in college Hall of Fame, where I coached in high school Hall of Fame, where I lived. I mean, I'd start laughing. I said, "You kidding me?" I said, "I thought I was a nobody." Because I tell you, it's an empty field. When you're fired, you feel lost. You feel lost. You feel rather than looking at all the great things you did. Like I didn't make a fire. Think about. Oh wow, we won 21 in a row when I was at Detroit. Took them beat Michigan State. Beat all these teams. We beat Michigan. While I was there. We beat Arizona. I said. You don't think about that. You're thinking about God. I didn't get it done, man. What a failure I am! And so, that, so I try to, when coaches get fired, always try to contact them in a way to let them know, to let them know that I, you know, feel for them.
1: Yeah, and it's a huge part of everyone's identity. You work so hard to get to this point in your career. Who am I without this? Think too Mark, on TV.
2: I try to be very uh, objective. But you're trying not to hurt people. I don't think you have to hurt people. You can be critical. There's no wrong being critical if you're critical, but today what we have with social media and what we have with radio talk shows and all, it seems like it's so easy to rip people, especially if you never have to face them. You never have to face a guy. I'm working to face them all the time to rip them. And you know, I'll never forget a lesson I learned. When I was with the Pistons, we had a, a noted columnist came, I think, in the Wall of Fame, possibly baseballer Joe Fools, Detroit uh, Papers Free Press. He was the guy, one of the key guys that got me the job at the Pistons. He kept writing out the Pistons need enthusiasm. They got to get this young guy down there with the. So I get the job, right? So now I'm struggling with the Pistons and we're losing, and I'm just upset, constantly complaining about how can't win, can't. And he gets a whole vicious column. i mean, bury me said so he belongs back in college. He's not ready for this play at all. I go to practice that day, and who the heck is standing in the locker room right there looking at me? Four. <laughs> and he said, okay, I have my say, <clears throat> say this morning. You get your say this afternoon. And he taught me a lesson about if you're going to rip somebody, it'll be them. Let them be aware that you did it and give them the opportunity to respond. And it's a lesson I've learned.
1: It's, it's one of the uh, things that I respect about one of your colleagues at ESPN. Stephen A., he says a lot of stuff about a lot of people, but I'm right here, right? I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't dodge. He asks the questions directly, and there's, there's an integrity in that. And it's not easy being on this side, too, when you got to give an opinion, right? I mean, you're, you, these, you, you care about these people, but you also have to have credibility.
2: Oh, absolutely. And you don't last – you know, I'm, I'm very proud. You don't last 42 years – at ESPN with just awesome baby, get a T.O. baby, let me tell you that. Plus, I've been through, I don't know how many presidents that I've been through. And usually a lot of times when the higher-ups are changed, because our business, unfortunately, is a very subjective feeling. It's not really objective. Somebody likes one guy's style, and everybody likes the other guy's style. But to be able to survive all that and have them tell me, I got a lifetime contract to wear, as long as you want to work and you're able, because I've told them over and over again, Nobody's going to have to tell me when it's over. If it's over, I can't remember the names and I can't, don't have the excitement to go do a game. I made enough money. I'm going to call you up and simply say, the party's over. I'm praying that's not going to happen for many a year because I'll tell you the truth. I feel probably as young as ever, if I didn't know, in fact, I know how old I am when I look in the mirror in the morning, but... Me. I played singles tennis yesterday, right? I yeah. a I play all the time, singles a couple of days a week. I try to keep in shape. I try to watch what I eat in terms of I like to eat, but I, I try to do it in an intelligent way. And i I've never, and I'm not saying there's no wrong people want to drink in moderation, whatever. That's their prerogative. But if I told you this, I know you will not believe it. And my wife could verify she married me 49 years. She has never ever seen me ever. And my buddies could tell you this, there's the Mr. to cranberries. I haven't had a, a drop of liquor in my body. So I think all of that has given me longevity and it's given me to where people get amazed. At, the biggest thing I get is just this afternoon, okay? I'm having lunch, but first watch is where I go because they give me a lot of money for the V Foundation for kids. My buddy's the CEO, Chris Tomasso, and, you know, I was there and these guys come up to me and they said, Man, we watched it on TV last night. Where the heck do you get that energy? I can't believe it. You're coming and there's no crowd. So it's a little tougher to, you know, to, to do the things you like to do. When you're in a crowd, it's a whole different board. Dude. But I've never had a problem with that. I don't know what it is. I think it's from my childhood as you said as a kid. Uh, always was that way. Always was that way.
1: It's a gift and it's also a learned mindset, part of it too. I mean I've seen you. I've met you a couple times, Dick. You, I'm sure you don't remember it, but like I shook your hand, that, and you were so cordial, friendly, nice, just like happy to see this random guy who's saying hello to you. And just it's real, and that's that's personally like one of the many things I appreciate about you. So, I well, yeah.
2: Uh, Rick Riley, I didn't know Rick Riley. Remember Sports Illustrated? Sure. Well, they had called me up, and Sports Illustrated was going to do a big feature on me. But part of the feature was he had a he would have to travel me all day for a couple of days, follow me around wherever I did. And all. That's, I said, no problem, no problem at all. He'd follow me, do whatever, do what I normally do. When I think initially, I just my gut a feeling I think it was going to be a hatchet job about this guy can't be this guy that we see on TV, so enthusiastic, so energetic with people. When well, he came to a speaking engagement, I did. He came all over the game I did. He came, and he wrote the most glowing column about, in fact, 10 pages. He actually was a 10 page story about how, you know, basically saying the guy's real. You know, you can call me anything you want, but the one thing I, I've, I've always been the same, in fact, the writers in Detroit, uh, a couple of years ago, I ran into a few of the guys that covered mike o'hara He uh, used to cover these lines, covered me when I coached in college. and he see me. He I tell people all the time, they say, Oh my God, do you see him on TV? I was enthusiasm. He said, Come on, man. That's nothing from what we
1: see. Here.
2: <laughs> None of what we had here. They used to laugh. They'd get their pins out their pads for notes. And it's, you can write a book. They said, After we interview him, they, I, I've been blessed. I got a beautiful, you know, one thing in my life has been stability. 49 years married. Beautiful lady, beautiful. that as I overachieved big time, and I got five grandkids. They're healthy. they really hardworking kids. One's at Notre Dame now as a freshman playing tennis there. I have twins who are seniors, just committed to go to Duke, both of them, nationally rated. I got a grandson that's an outstanding lacrosse player. He just committed. He's a junior in high school, wanted to get it over. He committed to Notre Dame for lacrosse. And I got a young girl who's a ninth grader, and she's right now top 10 in the nation in junior tennis. And so I I got five kids, have goals. They uh, They know it. It takes hard work to achieve your goals. Academics are important to them. And I got... A job that I've been with 42 years, with the Washington Speakers 40 years. So, what's the common denominator here? It's, I like stability. I like the fact, you know, people say, well, have you thought about going to this place, that place during your career? Why? You pay me well. How much are you really getting paid? To, I mean, I get everything I want. you get the kind of cars I want to drive, the house I want to live in. And I, I work with good, good people, and they've been very good to me, treating me like royalty during my career.
1: Let's wrap up with this. I I appreciate all the time, Rudy.
2: That was awesome, baby.
1: It's, hey, I I love it. By the way, I won that audition. (laughs) Wait, say that again? They had an
2: audition, right? They would make them believe that we were were trying to audition to be a a rep. That was the whole theme, was was my thing. Was it too much at the end? I said. quarter of my head and can look at that thing, but bottom line is I had so much fun doing it, really.
1: It, it's, it's an awesome spot. And uh...
2: the, the response, I can't believe, I haven't heard this is the honest truth. Guys, I haven't heard from Ed. Norm Garrett, now living in California. Oh my God, I just saw your, your commercial. It's trying to crack me up big time. What they don't know, what I have to admit, even my brother says to me, my brother says up he see the commercial, He said, How did you get that bucket? Because that thing's got to be heavy. How'd you get that over your head? I said, (laughs) Know what they did? The beauty of production, the beauty of talented people in production. Initially, they tried to get me to get, I couldn't get the thing up. I mean, it was filled with water. It's heavy to start with and to get that thing up. So, what they did, was they had a police. And on a certain word, of baby—the pulley would take the thing up. It was like lightness could be like a feather for me to take that over. Uh, the magic, of, uh, magic of doing those commercials.
1: That just shows my uh, intelligence and/or detective level because I—I didn't even think about that. That thing—if you—that thing's enormously heavy, a huge thing a Gatorade. You got football players; they got to have two guys, you know, to to lift it over. Uh, hey, by the way, I also love the the uh, the Dicky. V Instagram in the hot tub. I mean,
2: <laughs> I, I try to go there just relax a little bit. Get my box up, Sometimes my back gets so tight. I go in the jacuzzi, it just loosens it up. But, uh, you know, I, I, like I said, I've lived a blessed life. Um, I hope it's longer. My goal is to be the first guy broadcasting ever. I've told people this. Ever at a hundred years of age to walk out of courtside. And he's awesome, baby. I mean, why not think, right? You got to think big. You got to have some goals. I still write goals down. I still have dreams and things I want to do.
1: You sound great. You know, just listening to the Hall of Fame speech. I'm you...
2: I like this
1: guy. Yeah. I, well, you... <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, you know, you, you had a very, you had a huge scare uh, with cancer in the throat, and like, are you gonna, are you gonna lose your voice? And when then what's gonna be? And am I gonna be around? Period. Am I gonna get to do what I love to do? And, and here you are. You know
2: what? You brought that up. Two thousand eight. It was the longest year for me ever. 2008, I couldn't. I was doing games. The only one I knew I was suffering big time. In terms of my co-partner, Dan Schumann knew it, and so did my boss, Dan Steer. And, and I would say Dan, I would say Dude. It was unwitting. It was it was so so tough to to, to do. Get words I could Yeah. Oh, so finally they arranged for me to go to see is Dr. Steven Zeitels. He's known as the number one broke guy in the world. He's operated on Adele, he's at Steven Tyler, uh, Lionel Richie. Oh, the list is unbelievable. So I went in there to see him. First time I ever was talked to him by a guy like he talked to me. As I walked in, he didn't even know who I was really. His staff, was. I don't know much about basketball. My place is going crazy here that you're here. I know all like, That's the best to So anyway, I said, as I tell you, so I've, I've seen a number of guys they all tell me the same thing. I did this to my throat. I did this while my yells screaming, yelling. He stopped me, and he said, I want to get this straight right now. You may be bigger in basketball, but I'm bigger when what I do. You're going to one You can listen to what I say. If you're not, then that you're, you go elsewhere. You're here because you got a problem. So, sure enough, he goes into his machine, looks at my throat, was down, coughing up stuff. If I call my wife over to a TV monitor that's recording everything, there's this problem. You got ulcerated lesions on your throat, or over your throat. And he said it could be cancer. Can't tell until you do surgery. Oh my God, I said surgery. I'll be honest, I said crying. Like, I'm an emotional guy. That, surgery, cancer. Oh my God. My career I forget was the first thing in my mind at that something it's over. Doc. Blew home. I went back to a couple of local guys I had seen and they said they disagreed. I don't need surgery. Even though they respect the whose name. They said, we well, don't think at your age you need that surgery, the recovery and all and just don't need it. So now I'm confused, so I call him up, and I said, Dr. I tell," I said, I just decided uh, I'm not going to have the surgery, but if I did, there's only one guy I want to do is you. I said, but I can tell you, he said, you're not going to do what? I was telling you that. So he says, give me their email addresses. Give me their email addresses. I'm going to send them what I have seen, and I will guarantee in no time they'll get back and tell you to get the surgery. Sure enough, he did it. And they came back and said, you better get the surgery. And I did. And let me tell you this. Six weeks, I couldn't say a word, right? I wasn't allowed to say a word and write things down on a blackboard. Oh, it's tough, <laughs> but tough. I'd go out for breakfast and I'll stand there and I have a blackboard there. i said, people come up want to talk to me. And I'll, I can not talk, but anyway, now I go, I got to go back. And this was the most emotional I've felt in many years. I had to go back. And he says to me, Talk to me. I haven't talked in six months. And I'm like this. And I start crying. I said, I don't know if I can get those words. I couldn't talk to me like you just talking. Just talk, count. And I did. And I started. And man, he, and from then I've been looking for 12 years. So I thank God for Dr. tell. He came to the wall of Fame. I got in the wall of Fame. In my speech, if you listen to my speech, I had said, in my speech, again, talking from my heart, you happened to be sitting there, and I said, hey, Mr. Zytel, I can tell you this, the man right, here in the, the front. He is, the boss, he's, from Boston, he's the Larry Bird of the throne business, man. The Larry Bird. <laughs> he wrote my speech, so talked about to magic, too, right, about magic as a
1: kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I said, magic, i tell people why you're magic.
1: <laughs> that was awesome. You, you, you go to the house and then, uh, yeah, no, he's at the playground. It's uh, it, it, in the middle of winter. He he's shooting. He, he's doing the jump hook.
2: My wife, my <laughs> wife heard my speech. Fifty. We go to dinner in the car. I'm speaking, so I don't want to forget anybody. When she heard my speech, she said, where was that? Uh, you know what? It was, you know I was in awe of the crowd. Look at the people. I looked up to like gods. Everywhere I looked. It was Jerry West the logo? It was a Doc Thompson. It was, it was you'd be Brown. All guys that I fought the world up, and and here I'm standing, and going to be a in the Hall of Fame. I'm like saying, "Oh my God!"
1: Dick, thanks so much. Great talking to you.
2: Great. God bless. How can we have a category those contributions to the game? What Dick Vitale has done to the game, what's selling the game is passionate and I was very touched by that. Bob Knight sent, called me up one day, and he said to me on the phone, this is years ago, and he said to me, look, you know, Bob does it very strong, you know, it's not just, hi, Dick, <laughs> look.
0: This program was recorded on tape for a live audience.
2: You can call me anything you want. But- I tell people all the time, they say, oh my God, do you see him on TV? I have his enthusiasm. They say, come on, man, that's nothing. I've been blessed. I got a beautiful, you know, one thing in my life has been stability.